Well, good morning. Good morning, Hope Church. And I uh, just am so thankful for the privilege to preach God's Word this morning. As I was driving in uh, to church this morning, I, was, uh, I had a sense, and I don't know why it just came about this way. I had a sense of a little bit of sadness in my heart. And I just wonder if you feel that sadness as well, like with all the things that have been happening, but at the same time, the unknowns of uh, the summer. I know when many of us are looking forward to gathering together uh, during the summertime and for some of the restrictions to lift, uh, but sometimes there's sadness in our hearts because we can't control the situation. Well, this morning, I just want to encourage you that the Word of God is our confidence, that we have Jesus in our life. He lives in us, and the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us and will give us everything that we need to live this life for His glory. So let me begin in prayer as we look at this passage. Heavenly Father, I just thank you uh, for, for this morning and for gathering us Lord, even though we are uh, in different locations and homes, Lord, but you gather us by your Spirit, your Holy Spirit that directs and guides us in the truth. And we thank you, Lord, that we can still text one another, call one another, talk to each other on Zoom, and we can still continue to glorify your name in this life. Lord, I just pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would do a mighty work in our life, that you would change and transform us, and that you would grant us wisdom about faith and works. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, uh, verse 14. James chapter 2 and verse 14. And if you're there, uh, I'd just like you to kind of pay attention from verse 14 all the way to verse 26. That's our portion of Scripture this morning. As Pastor Ted has been preaching on this wonderful uh, sermon series in the book of James, uh, we've been seeing that, that, that faith is a theme you know, in, in chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, consider it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It is a joy to know that God is working in the circumstances that we are in and in the situations that we are in in order for our faith to be tested and to be called true and right and good. God wants our faith to grow. He wants us to display to the world that this faith is real and true. In chapter 2, verse 1, uh, there seems to be a topic of, uh, of partiality that's being brought up. It says here in chapter 2, verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James is being even more specific. The faith that he's talking about is, is this. It's the faith that, that, that he has in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of glory. There is no one above him. As Pastor Ted said, there is only one God. He is above all. 
Jesus Christ is above all, and everyone is a very, very far distant second. But we are all equal, equally a far distant second. Our faith in Jesus needs to make a difference. It needs to make a difference in our lives. I must admit, this morning, as, as, as we go into this text, it will be difficult to understand. James chapter 2, in verse 14 to 26, is one of the most difficult passages to really grasp, and I'll explain to you why. You see, this passage talks about faith without works is dead. It seems very logical, and it seems very... Uh, it makes sense. But the question I really want to ask is, is it that obvious that faith without works is truly dead? It's like a car without wheels. It's not really a car. You can call it a car, but it ain't going to work. It's not functioning. It doesn't work. And so here's the big idea that I want to bring to you this morning. The big idea is this. You and I must make sure that we live out our faith in Jesus. This is so essential. Because faith without works is completely useless and dead. And this is the argument that James is, is, is presenting to us. That if you don't understand this in its completeness, your faith is most likely not true. How dare I say that? It's not me. It's actually, the, it's actually James. Through the Spirit of God, leading him to write these words. And let me tell you, as I've been studying this passage, it makes so much sense. This is in the New Testament. Faith without works is dead. What does true faith look like? And why is faith without works completely useless? Remember back in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, it says that pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God approves of action that is done by faith in order to impact the world. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. All throughout the book of James, it talks about how faith must come with action. How faith, your, your words make, uh, make a difference. And therefore, we must tame the tongue in chapter 3. We must show impartiality. We must make sure that we are walking in the word, not just listening to it. So we have this focus in James. Let's look at three reasons. Three reasons why faith without works is dead. The first thing, the first reason is this. Faith without works is dead because salvation without goodness is not good at all. I'm, I'm going to try to explain this in, in two ways. In this passage, it says this. We'll go to the next slide. James chapter 2, verse 14. And it says this. What good is it, 
my brothers. He's talking to believers. If someone says he has faith, he proclaims it, but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it is not, if it does not have works, is dead. So he's making a statement here. James is saying faith without works is dead, which means that you can't have one without the other. You have to have both in order to have true faith. In order to validate faith, you must have works. And in the same way, the question is not just a yes and a no. The question is, what good is it? Have you ever asked that question? What good is it to have a car without wheels? What good is it? You might have a Lamborghini sitting in front of you, but if it does not have wheels, you aren't going anywhere. What good is it to have faith without works? And here, here's, here's what, how James kind of talks about this. James talks about this in the context of goodness. In the context of the, word, the Greek word here is, is, is from the word agathos, which also means good and also means benefit. What, what benefit is it? And when I thought about that in my study, I began to think about the gospel. I began to think about Jesus. And as Pastor Ted said very clearly, Pastor Ted said this. He, he said that the book of James is specifically designed for us to look also at the Sermon on the Mount. Also to look at Jesus' life. It is a reflection of that. And I, as I began to see and, and think about the gospel, I was thinking... Could God save us, bring his salvation to us without being good? And the answer is no. Salvation and the goodness of God is tied together. It's so intricately tied together. Praise be to God that he is a good God. He is a kind God. He is a merciful God. That's why he saved us through his son, Jesus. That's why we can have new life in him. You cannot say that God is not good. He is good, and that's how he saves. And he saves, and that's why he is good. So he, there's a comparison here, because faith... you. The, the word, this phrase here, faith, can that faith save him? Meaning, is that faith uh, uh, able to save him? Is that faith real faith? Is that faith salvific faith? Is that faith true to the faith that gives you salvation? And the answer again comes back to, what good is it? What good is it if you see a brother or sister, poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled. It's like, go, you can go now. I don't really want to, you know, see you anymore. Be filled. 
Be filled. I hope someone comes and gives you money so that you can eat. Be clothed. Be clothed. Be warmed. I don't know about you, but I, I think that's like putting salt on a wound. That doesn't help. In the same way, you say, if you say you are a Christian today, but you don't live like one, then th- th- what does that say about your, tr- about your faith in Jesus Christ? And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, This challenge is not just talking about those who don't know Jesus. It's talking specifically to believers who who maybe have a high idea of what faith is, but don't actually live it out in their daily life. And so this is a challenge to us. This is a challenge to me when I reflect on these things. What good is it? What good is that? We start with the salvation of God. He sent his own son, and in the goodness and kindness of his mercy, he gave us new life. And not only did Jesus die on the cross and spent nine hours in anguish and pain, but he spent 33 years on this earth three of which were so dedicated to healing the sick, feeding the poor, feeding those who are hungry. And we're going to go there right now. Jesus' goodness in the feeding of the 5,000 as an example. Jesus fed the 5,000, right? In a passage in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, he sees the crowds. They were coming to him. He got off the boat and he was actually there and he saw the crowds and 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 mark says that he saw them he had compassion on them because they were a sheep without a shepherd he had compassion on them and he began to heal the sick i want you to know this at the heart of jesus is not just for him to go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins that is actually the pinnacle that's the pinnacle of his kindness and goodness In his character, he always acts. He always acts upon who he is. He is compassionate. He is loving. He notices things. He opens his eyes. And so often, our eyes are just focused on on the screen ahead of us, right? Jesus opens his eyes. He sees the the crowds, and he has compassion. And not only this, but uh, he also... Uh, shows compassion in his teaching. He taught his, the disciples. You see, the disciples came to him uh, later on in the evening, and they said to him, they said, this crowd, there's so many people here. Send them away to the village so they can buy something to eat. It's practical. It's logical. Don't you think? But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you don't need to do that. You give them something to eat. Wow. And in Mark, Mark chapter 6, it actually says that that, that one of the disciples came over and said, if if, if we were to feed these 5,000 people, it would take take 200 denarii. 200 denarii. And that is, one denarii is a day's wage, 200 is 200 
days out of a year. And if you could think about that, that's nearly about between thirty dollars and $40,000 of food. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of money. So Jesus is, is not just asking the disciples to, to share in this same compassion and this love for the 5,000. He's asking them to believe in him and what he is going to do. That's why he asked them. He said, how much do you have? What do you have? Five loaves and two fish. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Oh, okay, okay. By faith, they, they, they gave it to Jesus, knowing that five loaves and two fish are not going to feed 5,000 people. But Jesus, in his compassion and his power, he, he displays to the, the entire crowd that, that he has the power to multiply food and to satisfy them. In 14, verse 20, Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, they ate and they were satisfied. This is the goodness of our Lord Jesus. And that's why we can say that because salvation has come from God to us and this salvation is good and it cannot be separated, in the same way, our faith in that salvation, our faith in the grace of God, our faith in Jesus Christ cannot be separated from our work. We cannot be separated. Our faith in Jesus cannot be separated from our work. It has to be together in the same way that Jesus, and he didn't have to have faith. He, didn't, he wasn't believing. He, he had faith in all that the Father was doing, and he and the Father are one, and so he was faithful to do all that he had planned. Praise God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone uh, has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. The closing of the heart is so easy, isn't it? And I think that's why it's so important for us to, 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 to bridge the gap between our faith and our work. Guess why? Because so often we give excuses. We make excuses and we say, yeah, that person was in their situation because they spent their money wrong. This person gambled their money away. Okay, I can't help them. They're, I don't want to enable them, so therefore I can't give them any money. I can't help this person. No. Uh, you know what? That person, they really deserve to be, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're the cause of their own problem. Should we believe that as believers? Should we even think that? Who are we? We are just children of the Lord seeking to do his will and to love people and to care for them and have compassion upon them as Jesus had compassion. Do you think Jesus went to every single family in, in the feeding of the 5,000 and said, hey, how's your credit score? Um, you know, did you spend your money well last week? Or, you know, you overspent it, you know, last month. No, he didn't question he gave. He loved. Now, now this is, I'm not trying to say 
you shouldn't be wise with how you love people and care for them. I want to give you an example. Last week, my wife and I went on a date, uh, date night, and we went downtown to pick up some food uh, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant that we've been waiting to go to. Um, and so we went down there, and we picked up some food, and it was good enough for both of us. And then we, we, we decided just to walk around and just go down Queen Street near Spadina. And we, we thought, okay, we're, we're just going to walk around and get some gelato or maybe, you know, get a coffee. And so we did that and just kind of enjoyed our time together. And then I walked past this restaurant that I, I was like, I've never, I've never seen this before. It must be new. So I crossed the street to even go there to check it out. And my wife was like, um... We already have a meal. <laughs> what, what, what do you, what, you want to get another meal? And then so I went inside, I checked it out, and I was like, wow, that's a great deal. I'd love to try this out. It was a really healthy restaurant. And, and I thought, oh, I already have a meal here. Like, it's already, I'm, we're going to go home and eat it. And so why, why, why do I need another one? But for some reason, I decided to get it. I asked my wife, and I said, do you think we should get it? She's like, and normally, trust me, normally she says, no, no, we already have an, a meal. And I, I, on the other hand, I would be like, hey, another meal's fine. That's good. <laughs> but she actually agreed to it. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, let's, 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 give, let's give them some business. You know, we'll, we'll have it for lunch tomorrow. And as we were walking back to our car, we saw this woman sitting on the curb. And this is, the, this is the interesting thing. We passed this woman three times. First on the drive um, to park the car. Then on the way, we saw the, the way to the restaurant, we saw this woman sitting on the curb. And then on our way back to the parking lot. And it was at that moment, 20 steps ahead, I, I just had to stop. I had to stop. Because something inside of me said, Andrew, like, wh what do you think this woman's going through? She was just like this, shivering. And by the way, she was very modestly clothed, everything. Like, like look, it, it seemed like she was just waiting for someone. So people just passed her by. But she was sitting right on the curb and cars zooming by. And I just saw her face and how sad she was. And I asked my wife, I said, do you think we should go back? And then she's like, yeah, but, um, you know, I'm not too sure. Like, I'm not sure who she's like and, and how should we interact with her. And so there was uncertainty there. But then, but then my wife said, you take the lead. And I'm like, okay, we're going back. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go right now. Because, because here, here, here's what it is. When the Spirit of God leads us by faith, we do what he wants us to do. I didn't feed every single person that came, a homeless person. I didn't go out and do all of that. But what I did was I, 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 I was sensing that God wanted me to go back to talk to her. And so I went back. We went back. We, we just knelt down and, 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 and talked to her. She didn't want to say anything. I prayed for her. And I didn't know what else to say. And so I, I left the, the, the meal there for her. 
and we walked away. And the moment we got in the car, we prayed and we said, thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity. And we didn't know why we bought that extra meal, but it was for that lady. It was for her. I'm not saying this to, uh, to, to puff up myself or whatever. Let me tell you, like, I'm the first to tell you that I'm weak. I, I, I don't often notice great needs. When I pass by, I'm just like, oh, well, someone else could take care of them. But when the Spirit of God grips our heart, He shows us what to do. Faith without works is dead. Are you living out your faith? Are you doing things by faith? Are you working and ministering by faith? Or do you separate, here's faith, here's my church life, here's what I believe, here's my Bible reading, and then, um, I don't know, I might choose to obey God. You see, we need to know that God is working in our hearts the moment we trusted in Him, the moment we believed in Him, from that moment to this day right now, He is working in your life to develop your faith, to strengthen your faith for good works. For good works. To the praise of His glory. What are those good works for you? What are those good works for you? The second point is faith without works is dead because true belief always leads to action. James chapter 2, verse 18 to 21, it says this, But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son on the altar? You see that his faith was active along with his works. Notice what it says in verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the de demons believe and shudder. All right, this is James really being not sarcastic, but giving you a real picture of what it means to have faith without works. You're like a demon. I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying it's like, it's like demons believe this. They know the Shema. They know Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 6. They know, hero Israel, the Lord your God, Lord your God is one. He, they know that. And all the Jewish people knew that as well, too. All the Pharisees knew that. All the people of the law knew that. All of them knew that. What good is it if you just know theology? If you just think about theology, thinking that somehow if you think more about theology that your life can change. 
Devotions leads, leads us literally to be devoted. That's what the word devotions means, is so that I can walk in more devoted way to my Lord Jesus, that it can actually change my life. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe this and shudder. The word here, shudder, means shake in fear. You know the reason why they shook in fear? The, 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 um, the demon legion who was in that, in that man who, 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 uh, who was uh, possessed by that demon for a long period of time. And the demons, you know, basically cried out as this man was crying out to Jesus saying that, you know, who, like, um, um, did you come before the appointed time to torture us? Right? I mean, obviously, they lived in fear. The demons live in fear. But that's because they only know one thing about Jesus. Only one thing. His judgment. They don't know his love. They don't know his compassion. And they cannot respond in faith. But you can. And you will. If you are a child of God. And that's the good news. That is such good news. And brothers and sisters, I just want to say how encouraged I am through the small group ministry and through different ministries around the church and different people connecting and loving each other during this time, sending meals, making phone calls, you know, being on the phone a long time and just praying and and, and, and shedding tears with others who are going through difficult times. Brothers and sisters, we are working for His glory. Our faith is being complete because of our work. You see that faith was active along with His works, and faith was completed by His works. I love what James is saying here. Faith is active. It's active. It requires an action. It's not, it's not just, I have faith and I sit on my couch and do nothing. I have faith and now, God, what do you want me to do? I have faith and now, who do you want me to talk to? I have faith now and give me the energy so that I can continue to do this for my family and love them. This is what it means to live by faith. And faith was completed by his works. And I believe this is part of what we know as salvation. God has given us this life, this life right now, not just to believe and trust in him that he died on the cross for our sins so that we be, be raised with him one day and live with him in eternal life. We're not just looking at the future, we're looking at now. Because this is what it says here. In, 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 salvation is by grace. By grace, through faith. For good works. It is the grace of God that has been given to us through Jesus. It's the grace of God that saves us. No one deserves to be saved. It is only purely by God's grace that he would pour out his mercy upon anyone who would believe. And he would bring them to himself. That is his grace and grace alone. But you need the key to turn on the car. And that's what faith is. Faith is the mechanism by which it, the operation. If someone gives you a gift, and it's, again, I don't know why I'm giving car illustrations, but a gift of a very nice car and doesn't give you the keys. And even if he gives you the keys and you don't actually turn the key, 
in the car. What good is that, right? We are saved by faith, sorry, saved by grace through faith. Through faith. For good works. For good works. Notice what it says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. I love this word workmanship. God created us so that we can work. We can work for his glory. In Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see the progression here? That God saved us by his grace and we respond through faith as a mechanism of belief and trust. And by that mechanism, we now live by faith. As it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the righteous will live by faith and they actually walk in it. it, it I, I, I wish I had more time to preach. That, The power of God is in the gospel, and it is the righteous who live by faith. And finally, faith without works is dead because you can only be justified if you have both. This is probably the more difficult portion of this passage, because um, even Martin Luther had considered that maybe the book of James wasn't part of the New Testament, but thanks be to God, he wasn't in control, and, and God is in control, and, and the book of James is, is, is for us, and it explains something so powerful. Now look with me here in verse 20, um, 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that that faith, apart from works, is useless. Sorry, um, you see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith, so also faith apart from works is dead. Is dead. It says here several times that Abraham was justified, Rahab was justified by works. By works. And then it says in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So what James is saying here is watch out. For if you do not bear fruit, as it says in John chapter 15, watch out and be careful because you might actually not have true faith. 
faith in Jesus. True faith in Jesus Christ is not intellectual assent or Bible college or seminary or, oh, I preached or I did this. Faith in Jesus Christ should impact your life. Your life is changed. That's why during COVID, let me tell you, church, the biggest thing that we can learn is this, is that we can learn together that God is changing our lives. God is allowing us to work for his good pleasure. God is giving us the power to do good works in his name. That's what faith in him means. But back to this point about being justified by works. Romans chapter 3, verse 28 says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So there seems to be a little bit of dichotomy here, right? Uh, The Pauline um, uh, uh, epistles, specifically the book of Romans, talks about that you can have you you can have no salvation unless you have faith and and it has to be apart from the works of the law you you cannot gain salvation with works so what what is this passage saying about being justified being right in the in the eyes of god that's what it means justified by works Well, pay close attention to what Paul is saying in the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written specifically so that people, whether Jew or Gentile, would understand that the works of the law, according to the Old Testament, Mosaic law, as well as circumcision and other ceremonial laws, were not enough to give salvation. It wasn't there for, uh, for, for the result of salvation. It could never save anybody. That's why Paul says the works of the law. The works of the law. The law was given as a tutor to bring us to Jesus, to show us that we cannot follow the law perfectly, and we have fallen short of his glory, and we cannot possibly gain God's favor, and we cannot be justified by works of the law. Romans chapter 2 specifically also talks about those who do not have the law are a law in themselves because they have a conscience. And so when no one is without excuse, everybody has a standard And if you try to live up to that standard as if you are thinking that God thinks highly of that standard, you got it wrong. And that's what Paul is saying in the book of Romans. He's saying you have to be justified by faith apart from the works of the law, which is 1,000% true. But at the same time, in the book of James, it's exactly the same. It is exactly the truth because You are not just justified by faith alone. You are justified by the result of that faith, which is the work, the clear work of the gospel in your life to produce that good work that that you express and that you do. So, the good work that um, Abraham did was literally climb a mountain Mount Moriah, 
and lift up his son onto the altar. That was his good work. That was the work that justified him. Notice, he didn't do it 15 times. He didn't say, oh, oh, God asked me to do it again and again. It was only once. And the reason he did it only once is because it was a response to God Almighty who said, basically, God Almighty was saying that you will not um, um, spare your only son. And he said this to Abraham because he, know, he knew right then, God knew way before time, but he knew at that point when, when, when Abraham lifted his son, his only son. And back in chapter 15, it specifically said that, that, that through Isaac, that, that, that the, um, the nations will be born and there will be many people, sand of the sea, sea, uh, seashore and the, and, the, and the stars in the sky. And so, so he believed in the Lord and he lifted, even in the midst of knowing that, he still lifted his son and trusted in the sovereignty and the power of God to raise his son from the dead. That is amazing. And you might be thinking, well, wow, that's, that's a big challenge. And it is. But let me tell you this, brothers and sisters. God is giving opportunities for anyone to initially give their life to him. Not just by believing in him and trusting in him but by literally saying, whatever your will is, I will do. You are my Lord and my Savior. That's what Abraham did even before Jesus came to this world. And the second is Rahab, right? We know her story, how she, she, she hid the spies and then, and then later on told the guards to go somewhere else to chase after them even though they weren't there. And then she lowered the spies through a rope. She said that it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She basically said that this is who you, you are the ones who came into the land of Canaan. And this God, your God, is the one and only true God. And this land belongs to you. She believed in the promises of God. She believed and she trusted and she acted upon that belief. She was justified by works, not just faith. I want to end with this. The challenge is this. There's two, there's two applications. One is this. If you say you have faith, but your life is not living up to it, if you say you have faith in Jesus Christ, but it doesn't show in the way you live, 
then I would say, read this passage again and read the Gospels and let the fuel of God's supremacy, let the fuel of Christ's supremacy bring to you to a place where faith and works become one again. And the second application is this, that anyone who comes to know Jesus Christ and believe and trust in Christ alone would not think that they can live a certain lifestyle and maintain that while saying they believe in the finished work of the cross and in the forgiveness of Jesus. That if you come to Christ and for the first time, you are not only justified by your faith, but that fruit of the faith, which is your work. And the work is not, uh, is not um, doing all the good works that you can. It's doing literally just lifting up a person to the altar. Like this is literally what, what, um, what Abraham did. He acted out of a response to God and his promises, and he acted in obedience. And with Rahab, it was just the turn of a doorknob. Your life in Christ is changed because you have true faith in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we must all realize that to live a life of no work, of no fruit from your Spirit, and still say that we have faith in Jesus is useless and is dead. And we know, Lord God, that you call us to live out our faith in obedience and joy so that the one we follow is glorified and magnified. May we see this opportunity and may we seize this opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen.